This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Recovery Radio. If this is Recovery Radio, that makes me, Steve Martoreno, your host and guide. We talk about a lot of things concerning something called behavioral health that covers a a wide range of important topics from mental health issues to substance abuse treatment and recovery. And very often the mental health and the substance abuse issues uh, coincide. So that's what Recovery Radio is all about. It is sponsored by the good people of Retreat Behavioral Health, and we'll have more about them straight ahead. Uh, we have, issue, uh, we have uh, now dealt with at least a couple of programs with regard to school safety and the whole environment of going uh, to school in this current moment in time, which is, as you can imagine, probably vastly different from when you were a school kid. So who better to tell us about that than somebody whose job it is to counsel these young people? And that's the uh, ubiquitous uh, guidance counselors that we all know about and have experienced through our uh, our lives as well. Andy Mullen is a, a middle school guidance counselor. He's been doing that for going on a couple of decades now uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in a leafy suburban suburb uh, outside of Philadelphia. And he, he has uh, graciously uh, consented to join us in the, in the middle of a busy day, I'm sure a busy week, with his uh, experiences as a middle school guidance counselor. Um, Andy Mullen is also a published author. We're going to talk about his terrific little book called Middle School, Middle Schooled, I should say, Parenting Tips and Reminders to Keep You Smiling. It's a great, great idea for a book, and we'll tell you about that straight ahead. Andy, welcome to Recovery Radio. Thanks, Steve. I'm uh, glad to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having me. So, so Andy, let's, let's begin at the beginning. Tell us a little about yourself and your work experience. How do you wind up a guidance counselor? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, no problem at all. So I've been a school counselor for 18 years. Uh, four of those years, I was at a high school. The rest were in middle school. And I undergrad uh, Lafayette College in psychology. And right out of college, I ended up working at banks and brokerage firms for about seven years. And I quickly learned that that was not my calling. And um, I did a lot of research about school counselors and what they do. And um, part of that research was actually interviewing school counselors. I called about 15 in the area with a list of questions, primarily about, you know, do they feel good about their work? Do they feel like they're making a difference in the lives of children? And every single one of them said that they did, and they felt wonderful about their work. And so it was at that point that I quit my job and went into graduate school to become a school counselor. Um, and the rest is history yeah. years later. So I, I'm really happy I did it. Yeah, it sounds like it. 18 years, you better be yeah. happy at it. So here, my, my question is, though, that, I mean, yeah. you, you, as you said, you wanted to make a career change and you started researching guidance counselors. You know, most people find it a handful to counsel their own kids. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Why did you start looking in that field? What, did you have a counselor when you were growing up that uh, you fondly recall? What what? What got you there? You know, it's kind of the uh, kind of the opposite, to be honest with you, Steve. Like all of the counselors that I had growing up were uh, kind of un- unremarkable, for lack of a better phrase, I guess, or word. And I thought, you know what, I can do that, and I think I can do that better than than the ones that uh, that that counseled me. And so. Um, you know, I, I felt like it was a good fit for my personality and for my skill set. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, it's like a really amazing thing to be able to work and, and earn a living helping people, yeah. and specifically helping, helping the youth. Um, it's just, it's an, it's an amazing job. I love it. You know what? No, if if someone were not as dedicated as you, I don't think they could talk to middle school kids as much as you have to, and their parents. By the way, we will be talking about that. Right, right. We, we, no, yes. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people don't, I guess, don't appreciate that among the pe- people being counseled uh, by guidance counselors are the parents almost as much as the kids. I'm sure. Oh, absolutely, especially at the middle school level, because because of the developmental changes that their kids are going through, and because. They are so obviously emotionally connected to their children. They love them so much. It's hard to step back and take an objective view of, like, you know, what's happening and how to address it and how to deal with it. And also, parents are just so worried that what's happening is not normal. The behavior they're seeing isn't right. There's something wrong. Because a middle school child, a a kid going through adolescence, will behave in such a strange way if you're not prepared for it that it can be very very unnerving and so you're correct much of my time is spent on the phone and through email communicating with parents trying to help them navigate through these years like how do they parent their middle schoolers successfully without losing their mind i mean i want to get into your book a little bit later but in the introduction you you talk very specifically about the, your job being a sort of observational, like an anthropologist, like Jane Goodall, because what you're observing here is a an adolescent child is a very strange creature. And unless you had a couple of kids at home, you're really not ready for this, are you, as a parent? No, you're not ready for it. And it, it is it's completely, um, you know, for new parents. If, the, if, if it's their oldest child, they really, um, they can be confused, they can be scared, they can be angry. All of these emotions can get in the way of them being a successful parent and being a happy parent and having a happy home and a happy household. And so um, they really do. It's nice for them to have a sounding board, someone that knows this age and can um, can help them through it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um you know, with with regard to the strangeness of, of uh, youngsters, particularly in that middle school gear, you say you've done counseling in both high school and uh, middle school, and you said it was a different experience. Are the kids more, you know, fold out or rounded out by the time they get to high school than they are un- the, the unformed? Kids are more stable. Um, they they have a sense of who they are as a person. They have a sense of identity. They've had time to have that identity form, and with that, they're a little uh, calmer. They're not as insecure, and they are more focused on the next stage of their life. Uh, well, being successful in high school and then college is an inevitable part of the conversation that you're going to have with children that are in high school and their families. And so they're not as much focused on getting through this developmental stage mm, yeah. that has calmed down. And what's the next thing I need to do to be a successful adult? Yeah, that, so it's a little more tangible. It's a little more um, uh, process oriented than like, oh my gosh, you know, how do I get through the middle school years? Yeah, you know, well, that makes your job vastly different than a high school ca- counselor. They have their own, I'm sure, difficulties dealing with high school kids. But I remember my idea of a counselor was somebody you went to, and he he or she would tell you, no, your grades are only going to get you in this kind of college. 
I mean, he went to the, he went to right. the guidance counselor because somebody said, "Well, go talk to the guide, guidance counselor." But um, you you've got you've got almost a mental health uh, role to play as a middle school counselor, correct? We do. We do have a, a role. Um, that's what we're, we're dealing with: their emotions. We're dealing with their feelings. We also deal with their academic success, their social, emotional success. But all of that is is tied into their academic and social success is tied into their emotional success. They're all connected. You can't, you know, you have to have them all in place. Mm-hmm. And um, so we actively work with the students to make sure that they are experiencing success or have an action plan to help improve their academic, their social, and their emotional components. Um, that's, that's what we do all day long. And, yeah, absolutely. And Andy Mullen is a middle school guidance counselor. He's been doing that for 18 years now. He's the author of the book called Middle Schooled, Parenting Tips and Reminders to Keep You Smiling. Um, Andy, uh, talk a little bit about how, how do you – what's very difficult to, uh, to get to the core of with young people – at almost any age, when they're either young adults or adolescents, is getting them to open up. How difficult sure. How difficult was that for you to sort of gain their confidence to get them to tell you what's going on? No, that's a great question, and that is something that I spend so much of my time on, it, it, building rapport and building trust with the kids, especially when they're younger. Like, we get the students, we get our students when they're in fifth grade, and we stay with them all the way through eighth. And my goal is, for grades five and six, to really build an open, friendly rapport with the kids, whether that's joking around with them or just being present in the hallways. it's I'm trying to be successful at when they think of, I need to go talk to someone. Who should I go to? They choose me. They come into my office. And what I also take a lot of pride in is I try to make the office a friendly environment. Like anyone can come in here, and if they just want to hang out and, and color for five minutes, that's totally fine because letting kids see that this is not a, I'm not a weird guy. Well, I am a little weird, but that this is not a weird place and this is where kids go. This is where kids hang out and this is where they're comfortable. When 7th and 8th grade rolls around, when things really can heat up, um, you've laid the groundwork. I've laid the groundwork for their, for their trust. At what point do you you've painted a picture of an you know an open door policy here now? So yeah. guidance counselors are not crisis managers. You're not looking to get a kid when there's a problem. You're looking to get a kid before problems occur. Well, we're we are reactive and proactive. Um, so if something if, if if something happens, some tragedy occurs, we absolutely step in and support the students and their families right then and there. We're all, we are also supported by a mental health specialist, which I don't think every school has. But um, So we have backup here um, for, for that. From a proactive standpoint, though, that's really where uh, we spend a lot of our time building this rapport, doing developmental guidance lessons that are appropriate, and trying to give the kids the tools ahead of time to deal with what we know lies ahead or potentially could lie ahead. So it's both. Our guest on telephone, Andy Mullen. Andy is a middle school guidance counselor. I guess the topic today is uh, kids today. Uh, it's, a, it's a different time to be a young person. Everybody's aware of that. We've got more with Andy straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. We've uh, spent a couple of weeks uh, this month on this program talking about the environment in which kids uh, exist now in their schools. We, we know the horror stories 
uh, about about violence in, in our nation's schools. There's a broader issue here now, even though that demands a lot of attention, of course. And, that, and that's the whole kind of mental health and uh, positive and nurturing atmosphere that can be shattered by the news of the day. It's important to keep that in mind when you send your kids off to school. To that end, who better to talk to than uh, a guidance counselor? Andy Mullen is our guest. He's been for 18 years in the guidance counselor business. He uh, he does that in a suburban Philadelphia district, and he's joined us on the program to talk about his role. Uh, so, so Andy, we talked a little bit about, I guess, chief among your role is to get the kids to open up to, to you to begin with. That's one of the roles. The other thing that you are confronting every day is the is the um, issue of bullying, which is much, much in the news. Well, a couple, couple questions about bullying. First of all, the minute they opened a school a million years ago, the next thing that happened was some kid bullied another kid. So bullying is no new thing. Why is it such a big issue today, do you think? You know, I think it's such a big issue today primarily because I I do think that cell phones and social media allow bullying to to continue. There's no there's no start and stop time for for how kids can can mistreat each other. You know, when we were kids, you know, when you went home, it stopped. Now when the kids go home, it doesn't stop or they can the bullies have access to the kids 24 hours a day. If, if the cell phones and if social media is not monitored by the parents and limited appropriately. So I think that's part of, part of the issue of, of why it's a bigger deal now than it was when we were kids. Yeah, the 24-hour, seven-day-a-week nature of having to be uh, in, that, in that adolescent pit, which is what it is, right? It's a pit. It really is. I mean, it, the, whole, the, whole ado- the stage of adolescence is just riddled with with challenges that, uh, that as adults, we forget what a big deal all of this is when you're the one going through it. And that's something that as a counselor, I try to be very aware of. Like my, my level of empathy for what these kids are going through every single day, I try, I try to really understand and remember what it's like because the laundry list of challenges that they're dealing with is, is intense. And it, it's just, and it's long. Um, I don't know if you'd like me to go into that now. Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, they're trying to, They're f- first and foremost, they're trying to find their identity. They have no idea who they are as an adult, as a kid. They don't know what they're good at, what they're not good at. And they're trying on different hats, which often leads to failure, and it also leads to success. Um, but, but that in, in and of itself is such a difficult thing. Their bodies are changing, which is absolute and utter chaos for these kids, as you would imagine, if you remember. Um, the kids are impulsive. They're hyperactive. They, um, they, they, they want to be adults, but they want to be kids at the same time, so they, they, don't know, they don't know what they want. And they're very, very insecure about how they look and where they are socially. Um, Something, something that I find really, really interesting with the kids since I follow them from grades five through eight is watching and hearing and learning about their cognitive development. Like their brains are changing from, a ch- from that of a child to that of a young adult. And what comes with that is a whole bag of worry about life and death and the future. And, and it, it's, it's like metacognition. Like they're able to think about their, their thoughts which just makes life confusing for them. 
add on to that the emotional ups and downs that they have zero control over, and it is just a complete stew of, of chaos for these for these kids. And with proper supports, they're fine. Without, it makes it much harder. Social media is, of course, a gigantic issue. The jury, I think, is still very much out on whether or not this is a positive force in our our culture and society or whether it's a negative one. I think it's true of probably on both sides. For, for these kids, uh, though, it is particularly difficult. We, we now have these things that are called influencers. These are people who have enormous following on platforms like Instagram, uh, and they are dedicated to the to the proposition that here's the way you should behave, and these right. are the things you should do. What kind of pressure does that put on young people? Oh, they're ripe to to succumb to that pressure because, like I said before, they don't know who they are or what how they should behave or or what they should wear. And when they have someone telling them what to do. Uh, they they are very eager to, to jump into that and grab hold of that quick and easy identity. Um, so it's it, yeah, it's almost it's an unfair playing field. As far as the jury is out, you mentioned on whether social media and cell phones is good or not. I mean, I, the the jury's made a decision. As far as I'm concerned, it it, it is absolutely horrifyingly bad <laughs> for kids in middle school. Yeah. It, it it hurts them. On a daily basis, I'm dealing with with the uh, aftermath of some sort of cell phone social media issue or problem. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Even beyond that age, what what is the uh, in the school district you you uh, work in? What what is yeah. the what are the uh, uh, rules governing having your phone with you? Are they allowed to have it in class or what? Yeah, no. Um, the kids need at the middle school level. They need to have their phone uh, turned off and in their locker. During the school day, yeah, are the which is a great rule. Yeah, are the parents on board with that in general, or they do they want their kid to have the phone? No, the parents are on board with it. You know, they understand that it's a distraction to the learning environment, to the social environment. And uh, no, I, they, I, as far as I uh, understand, they're they're very uh, supportive of that. Andy Mullen is our guest. He's a published author, middle schooled, parenting tips and uh, reminders to keep you smiling. We're going to talk more about. Um, his job and uh, our children straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovery Radio. Steve Martirano with you. Uh, We'll go back to our guest in a second. A reminder, though, about the good people who underwrite this program, our friends at Retreat Behavioral Health. Behavioral health covers a lot of ground. Um, Mental health issues, substance abuse, treatment, and recovery issues, all of which now fall under the purview of Retreats Behavioral Health Program. They have facilities all over the uh, the area of uh, Philadelphia and uh, other places, West Palm Beach for sure. But uh, we're, this is an infomercial for them, even though they pay the freight. I tell you every week, they, they want you to know that they are there. They're a world-class organization, but they're not the only place. They'll just help you get answers. If they can help you, terrific. They will. They've helped a lot of people. But if you have any questions about your mental health, your substance abuse or potential uh, problems in that regard. If you call the number, you'll get somebody who will give you some good information. They'll give you the answers to your questions. 855-859-8808. That's how you reach Retreat Behavioral Health. 855-859-8808. And you're not going to believe this, but we hope you never have to use that phone number. But in an extraordinary moment of maybe maximum 
pressure and confusion, uh, mm-hmm. this is a good number to have. So once again, Retreat Behavioral Health, 855-859-8808. We're talking about schools, kids today, kids today. Everybody's complaining about kids. They always do. Um, our guest is Andy Mullen. He has been a middle school guidance counselor for close to 20 years, 18 years, and he's sharing with us what he's learned in that period of time. He's also the author of a book that uh, you should probably pick up because it's got some great tips in it. We're going to talk about that straight ahead. Uh, Andy, let's, I want to get back into the challenges of being a middle school student these days. We We touched upon managing social media you're very strong of the opinion that there's nothing good that can come from having a smartphone in the hands of a a a middle school kid nothing good so since you can't make it go away you have to manage that what are parents uh, who come to you and say what am i going to do they're always on the phone they're always this they're always that what do you tell them yeah that's a that's a hard that's a hard question but there are some very simple common common sense type of things that parents can do that will help the children uh, to to manage the phone and for it not to be a huge problem in their world. The the first thing is to be a good role model with the phone. Um, The parents, um, the best parents are using their phones appropriately. They're not using it at dinner. They're not talking on the phone when they're checking out at the grocery store. They're being respectful of other people and they're being respectful of the phone and when, when it's appropriate to use it and when it's not. Um, as far as the kids are concerned, parents find a lot of success by limiting the time that a child has access to the phone. In other words, at night, the phone gets put on a charger in a, in a room that's not the child, uh, in the den, in the kitchen, wherever, so that they can't have access to it, so that, so that they can't be on the phone. It's too tempting for them if it's sitting next to their bed. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing that's a lot of work, but some parents find that um, it's a good practice, is to really track, like to, to tell their child, I'm going to be taking your phone periodically and I'm going to be looking through it and seeing what you're, what you're doing with it. And that um, you know, sends a message that they care and that they're involved and that they want the best for their child. Will, you, will they get pushback? Yes. But it's important to know what your child's doing on that phone because it is it is a gateway, it is a door to a world, a very scary place. And as parents, it's important that we keep tabs on it. You know, very often we hear that there's a conflict or a balancing act that has to take place in that context between protecting your child from stuff that's on the Internet and their, their personal privacy. Is that really a conflict? Right. Is that really a conflict in your mind? Not for a middle school child, no. Um, I don't really think privacy on the cell phone is is a thing that we need to be worried about because their safety and their proper use, the risks are too great for us not to monitor it. Um, so privacy, you know, um, this is not the time for privacy as far as, as, far as I'm concerned um, with parenting a middle schooler. And I suppose when they're older, perhaps, yeah. but, but not not in middle school. Yeah, yeah. I, su- I, I suppose the clear the sooner you make that clear, the easier it will be for them to understand this. This is not. That's a great point. Yeah. No, all of this needs to be very transparent because you need to set parents should set clear expectations and rules and review those with the child and get their buy in on it. They may even need to write it out and sign a contract that says, "Hey, here's how we're going to move forward with this, so we don't have arguments down the road." Um, 
it, it, it's not something you want to be reactive to. In, in the heat of the moment, you're upset and you grab the kid's phone and start going through it. That's not the best way to build trust and to, to set appropriate boundaries with your with your children. So no, you, you bring up a great point, Steve. Do you, do you have an opinion on how um, or at what point a parent can should give uh, their uh, middle schooler a phone? I mean, are you seeing fifth graders with, with smartphones? We are seeing fifth graders with smartphones, and that, that is obviously a personal family decision. Um, mo- I would say most fifth graders, most sixth graders are not ready for a phone. Perhaps there are some that are. In my experience, it's, it, most are not. Uh, seventh and eighth grade is sort of a, a transitional time for the kids, and you definitely can, could, could find some kids that can manage it um, with, with guidance and with boundaries. Yeah, one of the reasons I think there's, a, there's some tension here about when to give a kid a phone is that parents are hyper-concerned about their child's safety during the course of the day because, yeah. of, because of the news. Um, do you ever right. tell... I wondered why people don't make the point that, okay, we get that. Uh, it doesn't have to be a, a, a smartphone. Correct? Oh, right. You're, are, you, are you suggesting like, oh, you can have a flip phone that you can simply dial mom and dad on? Or, or I can get a hold of you anytime I need. Yeah. Field and- yeah. To, to you and I, that sounds like a great practical idea. Uh, to a to a kid in middle school, uh, you know, they would want to hide. They would want to hide that secret um, from their uh, from their peers because they would be <laughs> um, socially that wouldn't be something that would be advantageous for them. So uh, the kids would potentially you know, make fun of them for that. So that may make the problem even worse. Um, it could, but but it's practical. And if they were to keep it in their locker, keep it in their backpack, I, I, I see the practicality in it. Um, we don't find a lot of families are doing that, I think, I think for the reasons that I mentioned. Let's talk about uh, some of the other uh, challenges that the uh, middle school kids are facing today. They faced for a very long time, but we know the situations are vastly different, though. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, what they go through when they when they get around to trying to express their individuality. Right. So <clears throat> there is a lot of pressure in middle school to conform and to, to dress and to behave and to act like everyone else. They, most kids in middle school don't have the confidence to, to really branch out and be who they want to be. There are obvious exceptions, which is, is, is amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, you will see some kids trying on a different type of clothing or listening to different type of music. That happens more in like eighth grade, I would say, um, a little bit in seventh. And I think it's a healthy, it, it can be a very healthy thing for kids to try on different hats and see who they are. It takes courage, though, because they, they will get pushback from their peers, um, and it can create a very stressful environment, and that's why so many of them are hesitant to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah it's easy. It's easier. Why they all wear and dress the same thing, yeah. It's, it's easier to hide in a, in a tribe than to really try to stand out. How early uh, do you see cliques forming in middle school? Oh, fifth grade. Yeah. Fifth grade cliques can start forming, um, and, 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 you know, is it a group of friends? Is it a clique? It's hard to say, you know, how, how you're going to define that. But uh, very close groups of friends start forming in fifth grade, and they are very fluid, and they are ever-changing. And with that change comes a lot of uh, turmoil, social turmoil. Yeah, uh, it's nothing's more heartbreaking than to think that your kid is not popular or happy. 
Um, do you hear from right. parents? Or have someone to sit with at the lunch? Yes, table. right. Yeah, more damage has been done in the cafeteria, um, just with the seating arrangements, the, and that'll never, maybe, never change. What do you tell parents and say? You know, she has no friends. He has no friends. Yeah, well, at first, you, you know, a child's perception of I have no friends may or may not be accurate. So if I hear a parent say my child says they have no friends, then I start exploring. Is that accurate? You know, I would meet with the student and find out who their friends are. I would observe the child at lunch and at their recess time. Talk to the teachers. You know, we have a whole staff here that's keeping a very close eye on the students. And so I would, I would verify, is this accurate or is this not accurate? Um, if, it, if it's not accurate, then my job would be to help the child to help sort of change their perception of their situation and help them from a factual standpoint understand that things are okay and they do have friends. Uh, if they truly are alone and they need assistance making friends, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother task. That, uh, that I do often, and that can involve encouraging them to sign up for clubs or even some informal sort of friend matchmaking, you know, because I know the students in my grade, so um, I can ask assistance from other kids, hey, can you pull them into your lunch table? And kids are, you know, as ruthless and not ruthless, but as difficult as some kids can be, they're also so kind, and when they have opportunities to help, they jump at it. Oh, that's great that, That's a part of middle schoolers that isn't talked about that I see on a daily basis as well. So, um, yeah, the idea that they would help out in a situation like that is uh, is terrific. Um, r- yeah. Real quickly, we got about a minute before the next break. Uh, okay. Do you get involved with the things like learning disabilities? Is that part of your your work as a counselor? Well, we have a we have a special education department that helps helps these students. But um, no, I deal with special education uh, on a daily basis as well, and it's just kids with with learning differences that that need a need you know a curriculum or need a teaching style that's tailored to meet their needs specifically, and that's what it is. Everyone learns a little differently, and we do a really uh, thorough job of identifying what those needs are and how how best to meet them. Andy Mullen, our guest, he's uh, giving us the skinny, as it were, on uh, what a middle school guidance counselor does. We have more with Andy straight ahead. This is Recovery Radio. Don't go away. Welcome back. We've been talking to guidance counselor Andy Mullen about his 18-year career um, hurting kittens, sort of, uh, as a middle school guidance counselor. He's uh, He's been a real font of information. We really thank you. Thank you, Andy. Let, let's, let's talk a, a little bit now about... I think what's most on people's minds, even though as a relative, relatively speaking, it is not a very common event, but it gets the publicity for all the reasons, and that has to do with violence in in, in schools and uh, mass shootings that go on. What's the situation in a school like yours? I know you probably have active shooter drills and um, lockdown situations that the kids now routinely go through. Are you seeing a, an impact on them in a, in a sort of anxiety way? Are they worried about this as young people? You, you know, honestly, I, I don't speak to children often that um, that are afraid of that. It's, I, I feel like the adults are afraid, but these kids have grown up in this world where this is what they do. They've been doing these drills, these safety drills in school their entire lives, and this is what they know. Um, to us, to people older, it's a change. 
and it's and it's alarming and it's and it's scary. But to the kids, they 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 I do not talk to kids. That is not high on the list of anxieties and things they're worried about. And thankfully, it's not. Um, it's it's just sort of uh, mm, yeah. like par for the course for them. Yeah, you know, it shares in common my generation, which is a million years away from these kids. We grew up with the duck and cover drills, which, you know, that was a scary proposition. Get under your desk because a missile is liable to hit you and, and blow us all up. And yet, after a while, it became, you know, like the fire drill or any other drill sort of became routine. I guess there's, an, there's obviously an upside uh, to that. Um, and it's, it's something that schools, you know, have to take into uh, into consideration. Um, you know, we, we could talk to you endlessly about uh, a lot of this stuff, but I, there's probably no better place to end this thing with uh, than with your book, Middle Schooled, Parenting Tips and Reminders to Keep You Smiling. How'd the book come about? Tell us about that. Yeah, no. So the book, um, every week I send I send an email to the parents of my students, and I've been doing this for... for Five years, six years now, and uh, the emails were informative. Uh, you know, this is going on at school. This, this other thing is going on. They were sort of dry communication, and I started selecting parenting topics that I thought were relevant, and I started writing about those topics, which was helpful. You know, bullying or um, social media. These things we're talking about today. I would write an informative email to the parents to that effect. Then I started adding humor to the emails. Uh, you know, making just adding, adding a dose of humor to it. And uh, the parents were very receptive. They enjoyed getting a good laugh because everyone needs to laugh on Friday. And uh, it encouraged them to continue reading and, and really get to the, to the point, to the meat of the email. Uh, so that was successful. What happened was parents for many years said, you should write a book, you should write a book. And uh, eventually, I, ju- I just thought it was, uh, they were being polite or, or kind. One parent called a meeting and said, no, you really need to write a book. Here's how you can do that. And he sort of created a little outline and gave me the courage to, to go forward. So I did a greatest hits of these, of these parent emails, and I edited them and changed them, and we put them into book form organized by month and by topic. So, you know, dealing with holiday stress is in December. Dealing with back-to-school issues is in September, et cetera. And so that's kind of how the book came to be. And, um, you know, the feedback has been has been heartwarming and very, very positive. So, yeah. Well, I can understand why, because what you have what you have uh, have produced here is a kind of uh, travel guide through through the strange land of middle school kids, which is this, if, if you don't if, you, if you're getting ready to go to Italy and you don't think you know much about Italy, if you're getting ready to deal with a middle school kid, you don't know anything. Correct. Right, right. That's a good point. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a step by step guide, and it can be read from cover to cover. It can be read, um, you know, a little bit at a time. It can be a reference book. It's it, it's um it's whatever you need it to be. But it's certainly I, I like your analogy of a travel guide because getting through middle school as a parent and as a student is definitely a, a strange trip. Andy, just finally, um, one of the big jobs you probably have is managing expectations for parents about what schools can do and what they can't reasonably do. Is that getting easier or harder? Do you find parents more demanding uh, or do they understand what, well, what's going on? you know, on? I think the schools are offering more and more services uh, as the years go on. And um, I don't know if that's, if that's in response to, to the parents' busy lifestyle 
or the increased uh, mental health issues or, or what it might be, but good, bad, or otherwise, the schools do offer a lot, a lot of support. And I would say, um, you know, that parents should feel comfortable reaching out to their school counselor and sharing what's going on and asking for help as needed because we we deal with this every day and we're here to help parents and um, we can't help unless we know. So so call your school counselor. Tell them what's going on and what, what your concerns are. The book is called uh, Middle School, Middle Schooled, Parenting Tips and Reminders to Keep Smiling. How do people get this, Andy, if they want a copy? Oh, uh, it's available on Amazon. Like everything else in the world. Like everything else. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. A- Andy Mullins, uh, thanks so much, Andy. We'd like to have you back at some time. It's a topic that's uh, always going to be uh, with us, and we appreciate your uh, your insights into uh, the mind of uh, young people. Thanks, Andy. Absolutely. Thank you, Steve. It was fun. And thank you all for your kind uh, attention. Look for the show, Recovery Radio, uh, wherever you purchase or get your finer podcasts. See you next time on Recovery Radio. Bye-bye. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.